Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe, just maybe, the wisdom of podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most interesting and invigorating and inspiring. Whether they come from the works of Plato, or Dostoevsky, or Picasso, here we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas, and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And don't be afraid of the leaping sparks. As you can be certain of one thing, they will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the Wisdom of. Coming up today, Thoreau and the Companionship of Solitude. everyone. So I hope all is well. Well, today I'm uh, flying solo. And actually, now that I think about it, that's pretty fitting for today's topic, which, uh, if you haven't already seen the title, is going to be about solitude. Now, it seems to me that uh, solitude is a pretty complex notion. So maybe before we talk about solitude specifically, we should first bring in some some other terms, and then make some distinctions and provide some definitions. Because, um, here's the thing. There's more than one mode of experience that has to do with being alone. And so, it's important that we see the differences. Actually, having done a, a bit of quick research, I would say that there are at least, um, three other modes of experience that on the surface one might take to be very similar to solitude but in fact, aren't. So, let me run through them. Okay, so let's start with the experience of being lonely, of uh, loneliness. So, what is this exactly? Well, I would say that basically, this is the feeling or experience we have when we desperately yearn or pine to be with another person. And as we all know, this isn't a good feeling. What we need when we're lonely is, well, what we need is the remedy of engaging with another human being. So, that's loneliness. Now, next we have isolation. Now, to feel isolated, that too involves reference to another person, but I would say in a different way. So, with this experience, it's not that we feel that we desperately need someone, like we do when we're lonely. But it's that we feel there's an unbridgeable space or gap between ourselves and others. That we just can't connect. So, that's isolation. And then finally, I would say that there's this mode of experience called alienation. Now, 
maybe we could think of alienation as a kind of a close cousin of both loneliness and isolation together. That's to say, alienation is what we feel when we recognize that there's this breach or divorce from our past, or from our family, or from our community. These are people, or groups of people, we yearn to be with, but yet we just can't. And that's because an impassable gap has grown between us. The umbilical cord has been severed. Okay, now notice a few really important things about all three of these modes of experience. First of all, they're all negative experiences. And uh, second of all, notice that directly or indirectly, they all center on other people. Other people that we either need or are despaired by. In other words, the point is, is that loneliness, isolation, and alienation, they're all negative experiences, and in one way or another, they're all ultimately structured or constituted by our relation to other people. Okay, well, so here's the thing. Solitude, it's not like this. That's to say, first of all, solitude is for the most part a positive, constructive experience. And second, it's an experience that's marked by not being in any relation to others. That's to say, you're not lonely in the absence of someone, and you don't feel isolated or alienated from others. No, in solitude, you're just disengaged or disconnected from others which is not the same as being in some position of pain or despair with respect to them. Well, so I said that solitude is largely constructive. So, how is this exactly? Well, when your consciousness is not structured by others, when you drench out the reality of others which surrounds you, you become much more attentive, and the world actually opens up to you in new and manifold ways. And you begin to feel a part of it, connected to it. In a way, you could say that what solitude often brings is a kind of communion or relationship with the world, especially the natural world. Actually, this is an important difference between the three earlier types of feelings, loneliness, isolation, and alienation, and solitude. These other three modes of experience, they shrink your world, they cut you off from it, and they draw you inside of yourself. But with the experience of solitude, well, what often happens is that you expand into the world and you feel increasingly connected to the things around you. And so, even though technically you might be alone, the absolutely last thing you ever feel is alone. The last thing you ever feel is something like loneliness or isolation. Okay, well, all this said, I think it's time now to uh, briefly say something about the American philosopher Henry David Thoreau. And um, that's because I don't think anyone has ever celebrated more the positive and constructive aspects of solitude. Okay, but first, um, let me back up a bit and give some context here. 
So if you don't know, Thoreau wrote a book called Walden, which was published in 1854. This was a book based on his own experiences over the course of two years in a cabin that he built near Walden Pond, which was located near Massachusetts. And the main reason he did this was to try to escape what he thought of as his over-civilized existence up until then. He wanted to try to live the, the simple life and see what sort of effect it had on him. Actually, you know, before I continue with my main point, notice something interesting about Thoreau as a philosopher. Notice that in getting out there in nature, and not just uh, sitting around, Thoreau was all about making philosophy an act, not just um, theory or speculation. That's what he did. He turned his thoughts and desires into concrete attempts at something. He experimented with them by turning them into a, a way of life, which was his move away to a life in nature. Actually, you know, he might have been partly reacting to his friend and fellow philosopher, Ralph Waldo Emerson here, who often seemed to talk about living the simple life and about breaking with the status quo, but who didn't show much evidence of this in his actual life. In other words, he didn't take action and make changes and transform his life based on his ideas. Well, Thoreau wanted not just to talk about a special kind of life, but to live it, to manifest it. And that's what he did. He endeavored to actually live the life he had imagined. Now, I should say something here. And that is, to be honest, that the woods he went to live in, they weren't that remote or wild or dangerous. Actually, it turned out that Thoreau's cabin was actually within walking distance of a village, and that he'd even walk there to have, have dinner sometimes. Actually, uh, it's funny. You might even say that there are millions of us in dense cities today that live in a more isolated way than he did. I mean, some of us even live in gated communities and we have no idea who our neighbors are, right? Anyway, even though he's been perceived by others as some sort of adventurer, that's not what Thoreau was truly interested in. He didn't really care how remote his lodgings were or how wild the surroundings. It wasn't a, a test to see how far out into the wilderness that one can get. You don't need to live the monastic life to experience solitude and authenticity. No, to find yourself and to live the authentic life, you don't necessarily need to be at a great distance from things. Now, why is this? Well, it's because undiscovered country lies within and around us all. As Thoreau himself said, you don't find yourself any more in the wilds of Labrador than you do in some recess of Concord. His point was that we import the project of self-discovery and happiness. It's not something that's contingent on how far away we get from things. Okay, but I begin by talking about solitude. And I said that Thoreau, more than most, celebrates this experience. Actually, he has an entire chapter devoted to it in Walden, which is pretty amazing to read. Anyway, 
One thing he says there is this. He says, I never found the companion that was so companionable as solitude. Now, that's what I was trying to say earlier. What the experience of solitude brings Thoreau isn't loneliness or a sense of being cut off from things, but it's the opposite. What it brings is connection. It brings a kinship with the natural world. It brings a sense of wholeness. To repeat Thoreau's own descriptions, in solitude out there on his walks, he says this, he says, Everything is congenial to me. I'm in sympathy with the leaves. I have a little world all to myself. And so on. And then at one point he says that there can be no melancholy to him who lives in the midst of nature. You get the point. No melancholy. There is no melancholy in solitude. Something you just can't say about loneliness and isolation and alienation. Now, if it's not already clear, we should keep in mind that for Thoreau, solitude does ultimately require some asceticism or simplicity. For him, you have to eliminate the unnecessary. You have to brush away your civilized self. You can only know the sublime and the companionship that solitude reveals if you first drench out that larger social and artificial reality that surrounds you all the time. Only then do you recapture your natural self, one that didn't know just how many friends it really had and how connected to the earth it really was and how impervious to melancholy it can be. Or to uh, quote Thoreau himself, Not till we are lost, in other words, not till we have lost the world, do we begin to find ourselves and realize where we are and the infinite extent of our relations. to the wisdom of podcast if you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general visit wisdomofpod.com and as usual we love to read your questions and comments reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on twitter at wisdom underscore pod 